Hello, I'm Aidan Gallagher. I'm Peter Reeves. Welcome to API, our integration podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to set the world to rights on various topics in the world of enterprise integration, and it scratches our collective itches as engineers who just want to uh, rant about enterprise IT over a cup of coffee. Or tea. Hello, Peter. Hello, Aidan. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm also pretty good. Yeah, nice. No, no, no small talk. Straight into the content. Okay. What, are we, what is it that we're talking about today, Peter? So, uh, I believe this is our last episode of our How Have Things Changed series or season. And we're talking about DevOps. We're always talking about DevOps. We're talking about DevOps and, yeah, how DevOps and declarative deployments have kind of changed. Declarative being defining what you want and that's what you get. So you say, I want this thing deployed and then something goes and deploys it as you've written it down. Exactly that. We're also going to talk about the ability to self-service applications. So with changing IT landscapes, we've started to talk about how can developers easily get access to specific applications and get all of the tools they need to be able to happily build their systems. And obviously this is uh, Aiden and Peter integration. So we're talking about integrations and we're talking specifically about how do application teams who don't understand the integration deployments that they're doing, how are they able to self-service those applications without necessarily having to understand how integration products work or having to go through rigmarole of, of getting them getting them working and, and making sure that they're secure and, and meet the company's procedures. Hmm. We're also going to talk about operations involved at each level. So not just, uh, say, support as a last-minute thought. It's how do we make sure that operations are well equipped for automation and DevOps as early as possible and the pressure that DevOps personnel can often feel because of the need to know all about the products and the things that they're going to be building DevOps pipelines for. Anything I've missed there Peter? No I think that's basically a little bit of an introduction to DevOps. I would say that Again, I feel like every episode we kind of sort of set the scene. I feel like in the past, DevOps was kind of something that a team did. Remember, we used to we're going to do DevOps. Uh, it's something that like a that a uh, that a team responsible for like a component or some code did in order to make their life easier. And uh, kind of each DevOps system would be unique to the company and kind of it would just be it would normally be kind of like based on what uh, the the admin person at the time was kind of most comfortable with and this all this always ended up being just some sort of shell it would be like a bag of shell scripts and this was typically for um, sort of OS automation product automation and kind of application deployment automation in fact normally when I'm and I'm doing I'm doing little air quotes whenever whenever we're talking about doing DevOps that's normally kind of people in the old world uh, doing some sort of automation. Uh, now I think it's probably more of a given that things can be automated either relatively easily, either through kind of out-of-the-box integrated automation or, and again because of cloud provisioning, literally all of the administration and, oper- and operations tasks are exposed as probably as REST APIs or they're exposed in some kind of easy programmatic way so that automation is always pretty much doable and it's often quite low-hanging fruit and when you say cloud there you are you talking more about 
cloud native deployments have enabled have have sort of driven the market to doing rest apis over say i'm probably talking i'm probably when i say cloud i'm probably talking i'm probably talking that clouds in like cloud hyperscalers so your amazons and your azures and your gcps uh, that's probably what I'm talking about. When I, when I say cloud, I'm talking the usage of cloud hyperscalers. So I, so I was just, the point I think I'm making is that, that a lot of products now have be, have started exposing REST APIs because that's seen as the thing that they have to do in order to compete with competitors. So for example, if you can make a REST call to perform some admin task, that you're more likely to use that than something that you have to go and do some, you have to, I don't know, get a on through the DevOps pipeline have to get onto a jump server and that jump server has to go on and and run commands on the system itself or remotely or do an RPC uh, with various different languages. REST APIs have sort of standardized the interaction with products, whether they're on cloud or on-prem or VMs or containers or whatever. But the fact there are REST APIs just has made DevOps simpler. Yeah, I think it's, it's the fact that basically probably buyers of software or, or people that make the decisions have become more savvy to the benefits of this kind of automation. So yeah, it's basically impossible to, you probably couldn't bring out a product nowadays that, that didn't have some kind of uh, automation or administrative interface. So is that cloud deployments, um, because they're sold as easy to deploy solutions? Yeah. It's only really possible with automation embedded. So it, cloud is what enable, is what sort of forced the technology stack down that route and the automation got packaged into products as a value proposition because any product that didn't work with automation or platform without without automation sort of by default couldn't compete and it's just driven the market to push for this automation and the benefits Mm -hmm. to begin with the the first mainstream automation tools that really broke the market what, what what would you say they were? I'll probably get what beaten f- up, but in in my head, in my head, it's in my head, it's Jenkins, Jenkins previously previously Hudson, I think. J- Jenkins is the free one based on Hudson that was a commercial product. It was kind of Jenkins and then sort of Ant and Maven. Maybe this is because you can tell kind of where I began as like doing in like technology, but no, and yeah, I I I agree because that's what I was seeing when I first started as well. It was everything was talking about Jenkins, and everything was expected to be on Jenkins or Maven. Everything was Java. Yeah, I've started to see a, a bit of a transition actually nowadays. So from there, it's you're now probably looking more at uh, things like Terraform integrated with things like Subversion or out-of-the-box GitLab pipelines, or if you're using Azure, the Azure DevOps functionality that you can hook directly into the Azure Git, or whether you're doing things like OpenShift and using the OpenShift GitOps, for example. Well, I think it's probably worth pointing out that cloud providers themselves have have got these out-of-the-box tools, so things like uh, AWS CloudFormation, and yeah, you said, I mean, you said Terraform, but cloud providers themselves, they're kind of bringing out their own automation tools because they know people are going to want to they want something to be able to hook into but it goes to show that it's become it's how ubiquitous that people see this software um, shops see this as a market to capitalize on I suppose you could say yeah and I think one of the key benefits we see from DevOps uh, especially currently is the ability to abstract away complex software code and you know present deployments as something simple to do 
just a describe what you want that's declarative soft declarative software and good use of CI/CD practices for example uh, it's easy to say I want this API I want it to be highly available then it is to go and look at the product's individual availability availability matrix the deployment process okay how does this get deployed how do I make sure it's available what what we want is some level of automation and pipelines that, that basically take the application and deploy it where it needs to be I want to be able to say here's my API these are the factors that 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 drive it this is my API I want it to be highly available I want it to be the most stringent security I want it to have OAuth in front of it uh, go and build that for me based on the enterprise best practice and I'll worry about the the integration code underneath I'll worry about the transformations we're going to perform yeah all that kind of uh, all that kind of previously heavy lifting stuff has been removed or taken care of so it's really quite so your job's been made a lot simpler to the point that um, I was I couldn't believe how far we'd come I think only a couple of days ago I was working with one of the uh, new joiners in uh, in my team and it was just kind of I, I want you to just copy paste this YAML and you can use it and it will go and run uh, and that was a way to get to go about getting uh, a directory server about getting an LDAP to run on his cluster dead easily and I just thought crikey this is it's absolutely incredible that I can just copy and paste ten lines of YAML to to this guy, and he can run it, not having to, without having to care about anything at all. <laughs> it's quite scary, um, uh, but yeah, it's um, it's good, isn't it? How much of the heavy lifting's been totally abstracted away? You mentioned earlier about uh, what we traditionally would have expected, and it would have been like shell scripts. And I actually did have this when I went to a customer where there was you know, mass, loads of shell scripts and those shell scripts are called shell scripts and there was loads of configuration files and there was, you know, reams of data that I had to put in and I had to understand the code well enough to actually run it. And that was even though I could easily get hold of the person who built it. You know, it was difficult. And that's not to say the, the code wasn't wasn't useful. It was, you know, it was it was extremely powerful in what it could do. But because the out-of-the-box framework wasn't there in the products, it was very difficult to actually... Uh, implement it and I think that's a byproduct of automation today throughout the estate you don't have to teach everybody how to deploy Mm. you can say this is a standard deployment and whether that's through out of the box say like Kubernetes um, deployments or a docker file that will automatically build you something you just have to add your code to it or whether it's the case of somebody's had to build a pipeline which which allows you to go and just self-service on something Either way, you don't have to teach as much. And we've said it in other episodes about full-stack developers who are having to learn lots of different technologies. If we can reduce the amount of things that they need to learn in order to enable them to to deploy faster and better, why wouldn't we? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to my my little story about working with the the new joiner, the fact that, yeah, you you really don't need to teach teach everybody a lot of stuff now a lot of stuff is suddenly so much more accessible well i mean that's that's the whole point of cloud provisioning that uh, that kind of access to resources and access to executable code is just uh, so much easier probably upgrades is the next thing or upgrades or patching is the next thing to talk about uh, another thing that's kind of been historically slow and laborious and if you think about kind of maintenance windows and sort of complex kind of uh, change windows and blackouts and sort of coordinating multiple yardy, teams. Yardy, yeah. yeah, yeah. But 
we, we can now sort of like implement a layer of automation to upgrades and probably you can implement a larger extent uh, automated testing and automated health checking especially outside of production again this is the sort of thing that isn't necessarily i wouldn't necessarily say it's baked in but is so much more accessible because of the way that uh, cloud infrastructure kind of forces you to access these things and in some cases it is actually built in think of kubernetes role in upgrades for example that it's all it's out of the box uh, integrated it's it's a, it's a out of the box functionality for it's automation basically it is automation whether you know whether you, you think it is yeah i i, I really have to i have to try and stop myself thinking cloud equals kubernetes because i i spend my entire day working on kubernetes clusters kubernetes is an example of of a container management system that says given given this uh given that i've got a new version of this container please roll it out for me in a managed way and that's that's been so easily sort of abstract it's been so easily made into something that just works it's but it's still a level of automation it's still something that's been automated in the background to to happen even if you like using i know service mesh to or, or an equivalent product to uh split traffic over multiple um nodes for example and then you can slowly bring a new version of a product up or or you can have an upgraded version of a product or an application and slowly start testing on there i think there's loads of things that have come out in very recent years for like the last five years say that just have you know even less than that maybe two years that have just accelerated how easily we can we can upgrade and, and perform those operational tasks and the other the other key difference is uh, the difficulty or achievability between spinning up a new infrastructure to test versus spinning up a new application or API to test. So if you think of PaaS services, SaaS services, IaaS services on cloud, they're all significantly lower barrier to entry because you click it and you receive the infra or the product or whatever. And all you really need is a budget as opposed to when you're doing on-prem where you have to uh, build the automation you have to uh, get the teams to interconnect you have to find the management you have to make sure that you're able to support them there's obviously benefits to on-premise but i think in terms of just receiving what you want without having to worry about the back-end services the the being able to provision a PaaS or a SaaS or a IaaS just just gives you a automated way of getting this a thing that you want quickly and in some respects remove some of the headache that you have for um, having to manage and look after those systems, yeah. but, but but don't worry. I'm sure that's the, that plenty of organisations are, are trying their hardest to add the add that red tape back in and add add the headaches back in to to to, to accessing cloud resources in their own way. So all of these things that we've said, kind of moving to cloud and moving to cloud provisioning, tends to embody the, these principles by default. Kind of like yeah, low barrier to entry, baked in resilience and, and, and upgrade paths. Comparing to the sort of traditional sort of legacy deployments, these would typically have been additional pieces of work that would have needed probably just need extra funding and effort scoping for them for for a, for a, for a BAU application, or, or maybe just something that was expected to be sunset in a few years new applications and new kind of work will be kind of associated or expected to have DevOps linked. There isn't really any reason for like DevOps principles to be cloud specific. I think probably the ubiquity fuels the perception that like DevOps is a cloud thing. 
Yeah, and I think the flip side of that is obviously that there's an expectation that the resources, therefore any resource on cloud, is capable of being automated via a DevOps tool, or that a DevOps SME is capable of building a pipeline for any tool. And that's obviously not the case, because some tooling is just complex. It's complex by nature, and it's complex because it's doing you know intelligent processing. What about when it breaks? What about when that what about when the product breaks and the automation has to change and the devops sme is you know the person who's been tasked with doing it they're gonna have to go and learn a lot about that individual product are they really supposed to support that and really this goes back to who's looking after the the systems and subject matter experts available to actually support the systems that that they that they can support and making sure obviously that that you know, people like DevOps SMEs are, are, are doing the DevOps side, but that they've got the support that they need to actually build the pipelines. But I don't think that just because things are on cloud that they definitely will be automatable. So yeah, I think there's two sides of two sides of that coin, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Go listen to our administration episode <laughs> that we did earlier. If you want to talk if you want to listen to the stuff about that. Even with the abstra- abstraction of being able to deploy these systems through automation, whether that's provided by a cloud provider, say with SaaS, or whether it's by uh, a product team that is that is set up a, a neat automation with REST APIs and a couple of you know they've got some tooling on GitHub like a, a special deployer that goes and deploys things. You know you might not be getting a slick neat design. You might be getting a standardized stock design, which is one size fits all. And if there's anything like me and you will know is that that. You know, number one question for any uh, consultant is always it depends. And the reason it depends is because everybody's requirements are slightly different. So what you get on what you get through uh, abstraction is tends to be one size fits all because obviously, however, that doesn't necessarily meet um, organization specific application requirements. And therefore, whilst abstraction provided out of the box is good, sometimes you'll have to build that abstraction for your internal teams purely because you know the world doesn't fit nice and neatly into um a common box you you know you've got to you've got to break out and do things do things differently whether that sometimes that's that's to innovate and be doing something different to your competitors maybe how would you summarize what we've talked about just peter how would you summarize what we what this episode's been about i think I think we've probably touched on the fact that there is so much the nature of uh, cloud provisioning, especially cloud provisioning through cloud providers and hyperscalers, that means that automation and what we typically what we typically consider to be DevOps behaviors of, of automation are out of the box and super accessible, low hanging fruit by default, and that means that there is nowhere near as much resistance to them as you would normally face with your own fully self-managed on-premise deployment. And I think that's probably the crux of what we're getting at, the fact that because it's there for the taking, it becomes such a such a powerful quick win and such a such a powerful sort of low-hanging fruit. And that's probably my kind of final takeaway from the from the discussion. And that DevOps has actually, you know, just out of the box items have actually made things easier and it's a positive change in the IT landscape that, that we've seen. It's not a silver bullet for completing your deployments and getting your teams ready. Do you have any thoughts or questions or you want to badger us, feel free to get in touch. Yeah, the end. 
Is is that the end of this series? That is the end of this series. I'm probably going to do a few more episodes in the new year around it'll just be me and Peter chatting rubbish about latest trends and whatever's been on the news probably. <laughs> now now it's just waffle from here on. Yeah. <laughs> Waffle from here on. Lovely. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Goodbye.